0: Well, welcome back into the latest edition of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast for a Thanksgiving week. Hopefully everybody is getting ready for all the F's as I like to say, food, family, football, uh, travel's not an F. Although uh, there'll be a lot of traveling that'll be going on. I'm the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. You are here as well to hear from Dr. John Lewis, the purveyor, the owner, the operator. You read him on sportsmediawatch.com. Good to be back with you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. So we have a lot to be thankful for here, and we're going to get to all of it from the World Cup to football uh, to uh, many different uh, subjects that we have to cover from college to the NFL, Thanksgiving Day games. Uh, etc we'll have some fun with love it or leave it in a little bit Uh, the world sport though has taken the center stage and has gotten underway uh, with the play in Qatar going on this week I have partaken John I don't know if you watched some of this as well not just the United States game but some of the World Cup what's your overall thought as it begins Fox is obviously televising in our country it's being televised globally and there are hundreds of millions if not a couple of billion that'll end up seeing some or part of it what are your thoughts here as it all gets underway
1: well, uh, I, you know, i it's tough to gauge because obviously we've never had a Winter World Cup before. It's too early to really know whether it's a negative or maybe even a positive. But Telemundo's numbers are up big, right? Fox's numbers also seem to be up big. Uh, let me see if I can get you the exact figures here. Um, Telemundo, I believe, uh, uh, is up maybe even triple figures from... Mm. Uh, last, last time, 2018. Fox was up also triple figures, 193%. So basically tripling the first three matches in 2018. I was a little bit confused by the Fox press release because they've been formatted so far, but uh, their press release said that the three match average is up 200%. So I don't really know what's being included or excluded there, but you know, it realistically it's, it's up Tremendously, so you have two things going on with the comparison to 2018. One is you have the drag of being in the winter or the assumed drag, Mm -hmm. but then you have the U.S. is there, and the U.S. being there will mean, compared to a world cup that did not have the U.S., that's a huge advantage, right? Of course. So, I think this world cup, you know, depending really, not even depending on how long the U.S. goes, I mean, as long as they're there. You know, as long as they don't get thrown out before the end of the group stage somehow, uh, I think, you know, I think uh, this actually will probably end up on pace for an increase. The only thing I can think is that maybe the knockout round suffers and maybe the final suffers uh, because of the time of year. But, um, you know, I think it's off to a good start. And uh, yeah, I mean, the U.S. is there. That was already a win for Fox and Telemundo.
0: So let's go over that. They played a at the time that we're releasing this, they played a 1-1 game with uh Wales. Uh the Welsh scoring on a penalty kick in the waning moments of the game. I saw from what Fox released that the broadcast peaked at over 9 million and had somewhere in the neighborhood of an average of 8 million or something like that. You'll clarify what that is. How good of a number is that relative to some of the other US matches? You have great historical right. perspective. Was that a little better, about the same, and, and granted, time of the year has something to do with it, as you explained.
1: Well, no, uh, because you know, back in 2014, the first U.S. match was 11.1 million, right? And that's just on ESPN. Uh, the first match in 2010 was on ABC on a weekend and at 13 million. So, no, it's not at that level. But I think 8 million in 2022 is more impressive than 13 mm. million in 2010. I mean, I do. I mean, I think the standards are lower. 13 million in 2010, you know, that was actually pretty close to an NBA Finals audience. I think game one of the finals that year, Celtics Lakers with Kobe and Garnett and everybody. I think that was around maybe 13, 14 million. So it was already at NBA Finals level back then. And this one actually is further off the pace of the finals, which uh, this year, every game was at 11 million or higher. Uh, So that's just a Fox audience. So once you include Telemundo, you do get into that 11 million range. And that's on par with the World Series it's really nothing else on TV that's getting that kind of number. You know, so I, at, at worst, I think you could say that 8.3 million is about the same relative to the competition as 13 million was 12 years ago. I think at worst, that's what you can say. You could make the argument, you could, that it's a little bit better because of the state of TV.
0: I love you projecting things. I was going to kind of try to save this for later on. But we might as well go to it right here. So the United States, as we're talking right now, slated to play England in what will be the most significant match for them in the group stage uh, to those that would think that it matters that we're playing Iran. It's just the final game of the group stage. This is going to be the bigger one coming on Black Friday in the middle of the afternoon with college football going on, with some college basketball going on. With the base that you just gave us, what's the educated guess from you on how well you think that will do?
1: Truth be told, I, I don't think I have one. Uh, You know, it's just so hard to put together a coherent prediction for something without any precedent, especially Mm -hmm. since the U.S. hasn't even been there in eight years and everything in TV has changed in eight years. So you have a completely different TV industry in a completely different time of year. And, you know, I mean, it's it's look uh, the U.S., I think their second match in 2018 was 18 million. That's a lot. I don't Mm -hmm. think I just don't think that's reachable for any group stage match for the U S this year. Uh, but I could be completely wrong about that, but I think 18, especially
0: 20th, during yeah. the day is Espe- I mean, oh, during mm. the day, it's going to be tougher no matter what during the day, during the week, as opposed to at night. And right. most of these things have been time displaced and during the day anyway, right? The references that you're making to the different uh, world cups in the past, they were daytime matches because we have to contemplate. They want them being shown in, in different parts right. of the globe at a decent Uh, time too i would be surprised if that number is not 11 or 12 million just because of the number of british fans that live in the united states that will gravitate and watch it on fox because they live here and increase the audience maybe the brits cared about the american Wales match because it was the uk i don't know how many brits are going to care about a u.s iran match but i i just i believe that would be my prediction do you think I mean, I don't think that's unattainable on a Black Friday against the college football. I know it's a big shopping day and everybody's off from work the day after Thanksgiving. Um, It used to be a great day to go to the movies. I don't know how much anymore.
1: That'd be my thought somewhere around there. I think, you know, the college football competition will be a factor, certainly. That's not something the World Cup has ever faced. These will be the first World Cup games to go up against American football, and the first U.S. World Cup games to go up against American football. And so, you know, I mean, that's that's tough. Uh, Black Friday is a big shopping day, although most people I think by this point are just shopping at home. But, you know, it's not the same. It's not a relaxing sit back and watch TV day like Thanksgiving Day. It's not a big congregation day. Uh, now you can get audience there. That's why the NFL is doing their three o'clock game on black Friday starting next year. But, you know, I mean, look, realistically, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be bigger than the first game for sure. Considerably bigger. Maybe that means 13 million, you know, I don't think it means 18 million, like in 2014, because that's, that's, that's just the kind of number that that's a tough number to get to.
0: All right, so I'll give you a couple of games, uh, and this is interesting. Uh, Baylor, Texas will be playing at noon on ESPN on Black Friday. Interesting that CBS will kind of reverse this, where Utah and Boise State will play at noon on Friday, which I believe Boise Mountain Time Zone. I believe Boise is still in the Mountain Time Zone. Is that 10 a.m. local? 10 a.m. local in Boise for Boise State and Utah State. Uh, and again, that's on network TV on CBS. And I'm looking here; ABC will have the NC State North Carolina game, but I believe that game will start at 3:30, right after the U.S. England game is probably ending. So I was looking for network competition, and there's the ABC early game is Tulane and Cincinnati at noon. Yeah. on uh, on ABC. So. It's not tremendous. There's certainly no. not a brand name like an Alabama, Ohio State, USC that's in that mix. And you wouldn't expect it on Black Friday anyway. But no. let's see how that affects things along with the college basketball and the other thing that's going on. I, I will say this, and I, I'm into all of this. I'm into all sports. I'm into the World Cup. I will watch. I totally understand and get that on Tuesday it drove a lot of people nuts and, and drove a lot of people away that you had back-to-back games uh, with Denmark and Tunisia. Uh, and then the uh, the following match with Mexico, and it escapes me because we're doing this late on Tuesday night, whoever Mexico was up against, no goals in either one of the games. So you're invested for two hours in a game that you don't even get a goal in. And as much as I, I have done this, John, for a long time, I don't know how much you've engaged the soccer people, the purists, oh, you just don't understand the game, and it can be a beautiful game, and there's no... Folks, the debate has been had for 30 or 40 years, that if I can watch an NFL game with touchdowns most of the time, except for Thursday night football, if I can watch an NBA game that has a hundred and uh, points per team in it, a baseball game that by and large will have five or six runs in it. I watch a hockey game that has three or four or five goals. And I can compare that to something where no one scores, no yeah. one scores for the two hours that you're watching. There are going to be people that turn that off. So I, I don't know what their ratings are ultimately going to be, but the world cup, the FIFA organizers, uh, they're not going to win the American audience over with nothing, nothing uh, group stage games. Nothing, nothing is bad. It's it's poison. It always has been. Yeah, I just throw it well, out there. Yeah.
1: We see that in baseball all the time too. You know, nothing, nothing, hockey and look. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, people want to see points. You know, sure. But, you know, I I think you know the the big thing here is just if you can find a way to get to a point where you're averaging anything on par with 2014 and i think there's a good chance of that because the us oh, excuse me 2018 uh in russia it, i think there's a good chance you could get to a point where this world cup despite airing the time of year it's airing is flat right uh, i mean i think that's certainly possible and i think that would be a, a big win uh i mean maybe it'll even be up who knows how long the us could stick around and maybe the impact of football and winter it will be overstated. Who knows? Um, I think, uh, you know, it's certainly something that seems to be generating a l- more interest than I was expecting uh, and, and not just in terms of Nielsen ratings, but, uh, you know, things that I've seen in other metrics that point to more interest than I was expecting for a World Cup that I mean, let's keep in mind, Fox was so upset about get, having this World Cup be this time of year that FIFA gave them the next World Cup without it even going to auction. So uh, this was really supposed to be a bust. And I think it could turn out to be something that isn't really that bad.
0: Okay. We'll see how that follows up. By the way, I didn't do the disclaimer at the beginning. Thank you for finding us. However, you did so with the social media link through John's site. Make sure you're following or subscribing. We've got George Offman's podcast on this feed. Tell me a story I don't know. Interviews a different sports media personality, usually a Chicago theme, a Chicago personality, but a lot of times it's national people that he ties in. Uh, you know, for example, Greg Gumbel has been on the yep. podcast this season, or Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington uh, Commanders. Um, He has uh, done a great job of being diverse with that podcast. You get it on this feed early in the week. It's already out. It's the podcast just before us. And then Mike and Phil with the announcer schedules podcast. And man, do they have a bunch to go over for this week with football, yep. football and more of it and the World Cup. Uh, just another couple of quick notes on the World Cup. And I promise we're moving on to American football college and the NFL uh, variety. Fox almost missed a potential goal to start the second half by Tunisia against Denmark. I do this work for you uh, here on the Sports Media Watch uh, podcast. Fox so busy showing another Coca-Cola ad, another Visa ad, and all the ads at halftime, they missed the opening kick to start the second half. So Fox joined the second half right after Tunisia had almost scored in a scoreless game, and Tunisia's about to take the corner kick, and I believe it's Jody Oatley, I believe I have that name correct. That's the British female who did a solid job, I thought, on the play by play. That's my critique. I don't know if you've heard her on the play by play. She comes on the air kind of seamlessly and says, We're just underway in the second half. And Tunisia has just had a great scoring opportunity. And now they've got a corner and they show the replay. And the analyst chimes one in. And I'm like, I'm I'm in my house going, Holy crap, they almost missed what could have been the only goal of the game. Because, again, they're showing ads. They they came about the 32nd mark into the second half on that. So some early kinks to work out on the timing yeah. and how do we get it underway. Because FIFA is not going to wait. We're going to talk about this with the NFL in a second. But FIFA is not going to wait for the Fox U.S. Yeah. audience. They're going to start the second half of the game and show it all over the globe on all the broadcast yeah. outlets, John. Real quick.
1: Yeah, well, you know, look, the reality is soccer is not... You know, it's not designed for American TV. It's not designed for a million ad breaks. And that's one of the reasons why it's been so difficult for it to break through. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's not a surprise something like that would happen. You know, the whole reason we have the score bug is because ESPN needed a way to have a constant ad running during the world cup back in 94 that was where the, the, the right. scoreboard came from so you know there's always been this tension with soccer where you just you've got to figure out a way to to create advertising opportunities in a sport where it's going nonstop, and they're going to overdo it at halftime right make up for lost time
0: <laughs> absolutely run as many of those ads as you could uh, with that okay so a lot on the World Cup as we continue here so now let's go to football and uh, and the and the end of the college football season is rapidly approaching the final regular season rivalry Saturday is this weekend championship weekend with the conference championship games is next weekend and then we're figuring out who's in the college football playoff and the other bowl games sort themselves out so it is about to be here um, I am curious off of Last weekend, we had some near misses. Speaking of of Baylor, they very nearly derailed the TCU unbeaten season. That was the big noon kickoff game on Fox where Baylor uh, had the lead. TCU got into field goal range and somehow got the field goal unit on the field without a timeout with the clock running and kicked the winning field goal. So that was an exciting game, obviously, on Fox. Simultaneously, ABC had Uh, Michigan in big trouble, unbeaten top three, Michigan in big trouble, but they came from behind to win. So early you had some exciting action that kind of set the table. Then later in the night, you had an exciting USC UCLA finish with USC winning in the final moments to keep their one loss season and playoff hopes intact. So John overall on the college football thoughts, ratings, and I want to build it to what we have coming this weekend.
1: Well, it was a solid weekend, Ohio state and Michigan. Those, uh, those two very narrow uh, games were the top two games of the weekend. Tennessee's uh, em- you know, embarrassing route loss to South Carolina was third, and then USC-UCLA fourth. Uh, healthy numbers, Ohio State-Michigan was one of the top ten games of the season thus far. though so it'll drop out of that list after this coming week. So uh, not bad, but we all know the big story in college football. So it's coming up this coming weekend, Ohio State and Michigan going up against each other. And we'll almost certainly, but not almost certainly, it'll definitely be the most watched game of the season so far. And almost certainly will finish as the most watched game uh, outside of the actual national championship and maybe the playoffs. It's entirely possible this will outdo the playoff semifinals. So it'll be a big number uh, if it's anything approaching a good game. I believe that you know for Fox, it's one of the biggest weeks in the history of Fox Sports. They have the Giants Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That that you know that's got to be at least forty million. They They've got another U.S. Uh, uh, match Friday, as we mentioned before. Two matches overall for the week, including the one yesterday, and then Ohio State Michigan. Probably the best week in Fox Sports history. I mean, maybe that's overstating it. I mean, but you know, well
0: certainly certainly for midweek programming, not just Sunday NFL. I understand right. the point that you're making.
1: Well, maybe one of those years, you know, 03, when they had both Red Sox, Yankees and Marlins Cubs going seven, that might be comparable, but look, I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous week for them. And the rising tide lifts all boats, Ohio state, Michigan would do well anyway, but when you've got all this extra attention on Foxy extra promotion, you know, will it get to 20 million? Probably not. Right. Uh, But will it get to, you know, last year, I think it was around 15, 16 million. Will it get to 17, 18 million? I could see that. Wow.
0: All right. So we'll get into the ratings a little bit more, a little bit later on. We'll play a little love it or leave it uh, at the end on the college football Heisman trophy still up for grabs. Did Caleb Williams take a big step for USC brand name Heisman trophy school with the win over UCLA? And can he further it in a game against Notre Dame? Uh, Obviously Hinden Hooker, the outstanding quarterback of Tennessee got hurt at the end of that blowout loss. So he doesn't play one more game. Before the Heisman vote is uh, revealed, he was not going to play in the SEC title game, but he was going to play one more game. How much does that hurt his Heisman chances? Is it C.J. Stroud of Ohio State? Because they're up near the top. What's going to happen with the Heisman? Still incomplete. Incomplete on the grade, even through championship uh, Saturday to find out uh, on that. And by the way, I'm looking forward, a plug here to being part of the iron bowl, Alabama, Auburn mm-hmm. national radio, Tiki, Barber, and I will do that game on compass media networks on their affiliates and streaming as well on Saturday afternoon at three 30 Eastern time. That game will be on CBS after Ohio state, Michigan, and before USC and Notre Dame. We'll see what it all looks like for so those games. Tremendous,
1: uh, tremendous weekend of sports. uh, uh, again, Giants-Cowboys, that's such a big rivalry. Normally would not be on Thanksgiving because, you know, that's it used to be a big enough rivalry that you wouldn't waste it on Thanksgiving. You'll get a big number on Thanksgiving with anything. So the fact that it's on Thanksgiving is kind of an indication that it's fallen off in recent years. But just so happens the year they play on Thanksgiving is the year both teams are very good. So I was be- about
0: to say the Giants haven't been very good the last two or three yeah. years. So Fox is thinking, can we get the New York market to tune in at least for the first half? Well, now... It's a, it's to your point a tremendous exactly. NFC East matchup that's very important for both of them. It's it's more important right now, I think, for the Giants to try to get a, a division win, chasing the Cowboys and the Eagles, uh, especially off their loss. But you're right when they when that schedule came out in early May, they were not counting on the Giants having what do they have seven wins? They were not counting on the Giants to have seven wins. Guaranteed they, the NFL yeah. and Fox.
1: I think they, they have I think they have six. I'm pretty sure they six. lost Detroit. Uh, that's
0: correct that's correct well we'll double check while we're talking here and find that answer out uh for sure but yes i mean the the early game obviously is buffalo and detroit one of the premier teams in the afc then the cowboys and the giants and then it will finish with minnesota who just got annihilated by dallas um and taking on the new england patriots at home and the giants are seven and three by the way how about that Uh,
1: yeah five they are seven and three
0: did they beat detroit then they lost to Detroit after being seven and two, so they were seven and two. Wow. Lost to Detroit Another. to drop them to seven and three, in a yeah. surprise loss. And Dallas yeah. obviously uh, clocks in at uh, seven and three, right with them, yeah. right behind the Eagles who are nine and one. So it's got, it's got a lot of attention. Hey, speaking of uh, the uh, the NFL, uh, very interesting as I as I mentioned, uh, quirky things with TV and waiting for the TV networks. The New England-New York Jets game was delayed in starting by some 10 minutes because of power problems and problems in the television truck for CBS, John. Uh, This game was to be shown in a lot of the eastern and central time zones. And so what ended up happening on Sunday, I had an off week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Typically, I don't get to sit around and watch games. I don't know how much of this you saw uh, yourself. But the first thing that you knew that was trouble because we were getting the game, New England and the Jets, on the CBS station in our market in Tampa Bay. I don't know if you were getting it in your market uh, where you are in Illinois in the Midwest. But again, a lot of the East and the Central time zone slated to get New England um, against the Jets. So for the first few minutes, you had James Brown and Bill Cower and Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason saying, uh, we are having a technical problem in uh foxborough we are delayed with the start of this game we'll be joining it coming up and they they were kind of previewing the game a little more well it turns out they had power in the stadium to be able to kick the game off but john they held it for cbs to be able to yeah. televise until they can get on the air and it was right around 11 minutes after the hour right around 1 11 or 12 11 central time whatever your time zone is when they finally kicked the game off about eight or nine minutes later than than what they intended, because the TV network couldn't get their powered up truck and couldn't get the broadcast on the air. Your thoughts on that, the power of TV and the billions of dollars flowing through network TV and the NFL.
1: Well, exactly. You get what you pay for. And when you pay two billion dollars, you get to delay the game until you're able to hear it. You know, and it's not just about the money. It's about the viewers as well. We know, the NFL is a TV sport. And it's an, it's an attendance sport, too, but it's a TV sport. Uh, and so, you know, you're going to make sure that the people sitting at home watching on TV can get the best experience that they can have. And that means seeing the game from start to finish. So, uh, you know, hey, fans in the stands, until the <laughs> attendance starts bringing in the kind of money that the TV deals do, they're going right. to have take a back seat.
0: Yeah, it used, to, it used to be the exact opposite. This is a fascinating study for people that have written on it and talked about it they never allowed any of the home games to be shown in the late 60s and the 70s in in local tv markets because they wanted butts in the seats they didn't have money from the tv deal hardly at all and so it meant something to get 50,000 tickets sold or 60,000 tickets sold so again i repeat even if your game was sold out, if you were not there, you were not able to see it. The NFL was blacking it out in the local market to make sure everybody showed up and bought tickets. That has so changed. It changed 20 years ago, but it is so changed now that here we had the pandemic COVID-19 crazy season where no one's in the stands and you're catering completely to TV and there's still hundreds of millions of dollars flowing to every team because of the TV ads, to your point. Um, It's crazy. Uh, Who knew though that delaying that game and having the studio show and not having to watch jets Patriots was better than the alternative of the game actually being played. My Lord, John three, three, speaking of the seventies, it looked like the seventies NFL with no, the jets had two off two yards of offense in the second half, two yards, two yards in the second half of a three to three game. And they lose on a punt return in the final seconds. It was, it was tough to watch. It was a tough watch. For that well, one on Sunday.
1: That's why you tune into red zone. You don't have to see anything from that. Uh, they didn't have in. a lot.
0: Very true. Yeah, if you had the exactly. red zone up now, the Cowboys Vikings, it turned into a destruction, as we as we mentioned. Shockingly so. Minnesota had been a one-loss team until Dallas clobbered them on Sunday. I'm just curious, did the ratings just plummet because of how how bad and how one-sided the game was, or did it still hold firm for CBS? And it was actually a CBS broadcast in the trade-offs they do with Fox, even though it was two two NFC teams again, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson called it. Did the ratings fall off big time because of a blowout second half in that one, the late window for CBS?
1: Well, it was the second most watched game of the season, right? It was 27 million viewers. Now, it could be that it almost certainly is the case that it would have been the most watched game of the season had it not been a blowout, right? You would think that 27.6 million viewers that the audience was a bit lower for that second half, which was mostly Bengals, Steelers in most markets. So, yes. you know, yeah, the, the, the blowout almost certainly had an impact, but it was still the second most watched window of the season. The Cowboys have now played uh, in the three most watched. And, uh, you know, uh, viewership was actually down from the same week last year, believe it or not, which was also the Cowboys against Kansas City, uh, much uh, higher there you go. So, look, the Cowboys are who they are. People tune in for the Cowboys. Uh, that's why Stephen A. Smith does the uh, fake nonsense where he pretends he hates the Cowboys because any kind <laughs> of engagement with the Cowboys gets you uh, an audience, right? Absolutely. You know, it is. That's the whole 1990s element to uh, the three Super Bowls in four years. been coasting on that longer than, you know, I mean, lo- literally longer than the Bulls have been coasting on their six titles with, uh, with uh, Jordan because the Bulls you... won... The Bulls won two since the Cowboys last won one.
0: That's true. And we should and we should make mention because you joke about this all the time. You have college students that you've been a professor and taught that have no idea what the Cowboys being in the Super Bowl is like because it's been that long. It's been 25 years since they've been in a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has been in 11 of them. Let yep. me to say that again. Tom Brady has been in 11 Super Bowls since the Cowboys as a franchise were last in one of them. So that tells you how long it's been. Uh, and you did make mention that for a lot of the country, in fact, all of the country, except for the state of Texas and the state of Minnesota was my understanding. They got switched to the Bengals Steelers game in the third quarter of both when CBS realized there's no hope here for the Vikings. They're down 37-3, to eventually 40-3. to They're not coming back. Go to the better game. Go to the alternative game. That is something they used to do more frequently at the network level. I believe, give me your opinion on this, I think they've backed off of some of that because they realize with the Sunday ticket, with the red zone, without a market uh, ability to see games – you don't have to leave a game, but that was interesting for CBS that they they went ahead and made that decision here in 2022, that we know this game is over. It's one-sided, but there's still time on the clock. Let's take you to a better game. Your thoughts on all of that, please, John, real quick.
1: Well, you know, it's a tough decision to make. It's the Cowboys. You don't want to cut away from them. Clearly, the interest level for the Cowboys is high. I mean, maybe the audience went down because they went to that better game. But, you know, you also have to try to serve your viewers. And the last thing you want to do is subject them to, you know, whatever it is that was yesterday, uh, Sunday. And so, you know, uh, it's a tough balance. Now, the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. The Steelers are the Steelers. It's not like it was, you know, uh, I don't know, Jaguars versus Falcons or something. Right.
0: If it had been that game. Right, right, right.
1: So I do think there, you know, there was certainly, it was a national, that was the Sunday night game. Bengals Steelers was originally the Sunday night game and got flexed out of that window. So it was a quality matchup and, uh, you know, but you still are hesitant, I think, uh, to, to cut away from the Cowboys.
0: I'm just looking back there. Week one game, which went to most of the country, Steelers Bengals, had 17 and a half million people watching early window. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they would have had. I mean, obviously the Cowboy Viking game would have been the lead in for much of the country, especially in the East and the Central Time Zone. Uh, it was. I don't I don't know. Would it have it still held the 20? You said 27 million uh for the window, but would it have still held that? I don't know because it's the Bengals and the bad Steelers. I don't know. I don't know for that one. And then how did ultimately Kansas City back in prime time do with the dramatic game with the Chargers that ended in the final seconds again for Patrick Mahomes? Did that one score well for NBC? Just right. out of curiosity, just out of curiosity there.
1: It was all right, you know, uh nothing too special. 9.5 rating, 17.9 million viewers, up from last year, but not, you know, spectacular or anything. Certainly not 27 million viewers. Uh, A nice, healthy number. Realistically, these West Coast teams aren't really that interesting to people, I don't think. Uh, You know, uh, I mean, let's be real. Uh, You can get good numbers. We've seen good numbers for uh, Chargers Chiefs before, but the West Coast teams really aren't that great this season either. So, you know, uh, the West Coast teams aren't going to draw just because they're on the schedule like Dallas or, you know, Kansas City. You know, you want to have they got to be good. Uh, because ultimately, I don't think, and let's be real, we know that football in Los Angeles, they can take it or leave it. They went 20 something years without it, didn't miss a beat. So the passion is not there the same way. And I don't think it's like that in San Francisco either, at least not anymore, maybe back in the day with Montana. Uh, realistically, uh, you should really focus on those, uh, you know, the Buffaloes, so East Coast, Dallas, Central Time Zone, Pittsburgh, Rust Belt, Min- you know, Midwest, South the west coast new
0: england new england yeah, still is exactly. a draw obviously love hate team too yeah. in that regard uh we'll see we'll see and new england by the
1: lot. way oh go ahead
0: yeah new england will be the team on the thanksgiving night yeah. game which will be on nbc against yeah. minnesota i'll be curious do you have a, just a quick ratings guess will that help cuz that's a love hate team there that's one of the yeah. reasons why they put them there for thir- for uh the thanksgiving night game any thought on that
1: I don't know. I think that Thanksgiving night game is such a tough sell. You've been watching football all day long. Thanksgiving night is very quiet. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you've had the whole day you're worn out, tired. You'll get a nice number relative to what you would get on other nights of the week, but you're not getting 40 million. You know, the only Thanksgiving night game that did really, really well, really, really well uh, was the year that they had, uh, uh, far of uh, getting his jersey retired or something like that packers Bears in uh, 15 and that mm. was nearly 28 million more actually than the lions game that day which is really rare and that's the only time the thanksgiving night game is really overperformed.
0: what's the Otherwise, reference point from last year because i know you have this at your disposal what's the right. reference point thanksgiving 2021 night game
1: around uh, around 20 million for bill saints you know, nothing to sneeze at 20 million viewers, right. but, you know, more than 26 million for Bears Lions earlier in the day and obviously well over 40 million.
0: By the way, I would like to wish Mark Sanchez a happy anniversary as we sit here and tape the podcast on Tuesday, release it on Wednesday of Thanksgiving week, because today John Lewis is the 10th anniversary of the Thanksgiving night, butt fumble where yep. he ran into an offensive lineman, fumbled the ball and New England, picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown as part of their second half route of the Jets who were pretty good in and around there going to the AFC playoffs and the AFC championship game, but New England humbled them that yeah. night. That's 10 years ago. That's 10 yeah. years ago that that happened on Thanksgiving yeah. night in uh, in prime. I still remember, I've I've shared this, I shared it last week, and I won't go on and on, but I was fill-in hosting on Fox Sports Radio nationally uh, here out of the home setup. Again, I was doing a bunch of home stuff before everybody started working from home during COVID-19, 2020, And I'm doing the Thanksgiving night game, and I'm hooked up digitally to all of my people, my producer, uh, the board operator, et cetera. And I'm saying off the air on the talkback that I just see that he ran into alignment and fumbled, and the producer's going, yes, that's exactly what just happened. (laughs) So while we're talking to callers and doing the show, and I don't want to accept that that was 10 years ago the butt fumble anniversary, What it was uh, yeah. for a Thanksgiving night game. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on the NFL before we move on? Uh, we should make mention too, uh, that uh, speaking of college football, it, again, it will not be an Amazon prime game for Thursday night, but you got the opportunity to to uh, be on a conference call where Kirk Herbstreet was available. Why don't we bring that up right now and bring yeah. that into the discussion? Tell me about the Q and a, because you had some, some thoughts and some interesting stuff that you wanted answers to, I guess, among others that would want answers as well about his schedule, about still doing game day, uh, about the Thursday night now on Amazon Prime. So say something about that, if you would, John.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've I've talked before about kind of my suspicions that Kirk can't really be enjoying this this brutal schedule that he's got. He's not a coal miner or anything. We all know this is all, you know, relatively easy work compared to what a lot of people are doing out there. But it's still, last week alone, Green Bay to Montana, Montana to South Carolina in one day. I mean, it's absurd travel, uh, you know. And uh, so I asked him about it. And uh, basically, you know, he, 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 it was clear that the travel is a lot. And, and maybe that he bit off a bit more than he could chew. But he was very, very adamant. About the fact that you know he is in it for the long haul, he uh, said that his contract he his contract with ESPN and Amazon he uh, wanted them to line up. They're both five years, and he intends to stay with this schedule and not give up any assignments over those five years. He's fully committed. He says to doing Thursday night and Game Day and Saturday Night Football. I brought up to him the fact that Chris Fowler only did Game Day and Saturday Night Football for one year. He could only do it for one year before it was like I can't do this. Because it is absurd to ask someone to be in one part of the country at 9 a.m. and another at 7:30. I mean, it's absurd. But you know, he said he's in it. He he he, he does love to do it. Doesn't have, plan to give up any of his assignments. Uh, he uh, some other questions other reporters on the call asked him about uh, the game day atmosphere this year with all the change, and he uh, he, he basically credited Pat McAfee for. Mm-hmm kind of invigorating him specifically, uh, you know, that, uh, that extra energy that McAfee's brought, uh, kind of the new energy that he and Jess Sims have brought, uh, makes it feel like a fresh show. And, and it's been part of the reason why, uh, it's, you know, something that he can still get up to do. And, you know, look, I mean, again, it's not, you know, nobody in this industry, I mean, it is hard work, right? I mean, I've heard the stories of Dan Patrick sleeping in the Bristol, you know, uh, headquarters. And I'm sure, I mean, it is hard work. Like, it is tough. Well,
0: especially like, elaborate, you kind of shot through it real quick. He was at Lambeau Field doing the Packers-Titans game until midnight on Thursday night. So at the earliest, he was even on a private plane, not on that private plane, probably before 1 a.m., 2 a.m., maybe didn't even fly till the next morning, depending on what his schedule was. I don't know if he talked about that on the conference call or not. Then he's got to get to Montana where they're covering the Montana, Montana state game on game day. And, and you're up on your body clock early Saturday morning to get this going and to get your day going. You do that show where you've got to not only be up on that game, but all the other games, because you want to sound intelligent about these other games and be awake and alert and John, that had to be because I do the air travel thing all the time. That had to be a five or six hour private plane ride because they can't go as fast as a seven, you know, forty-seven and a seven thirty-seven. It had to be a five or six hour plane ride from Montana to South Carolina to do prime time, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina. So I'm I'm thinking if he left eleven a.m., noon, he, you know, if he left at noon Eastern time, let's say he left at one, he he probably got there maybe. 45 minutes an hour at the most before the game right. maybe yeah that is a lot what i just described is a lot in right. a three-day period i don't care who you are
1: yeah we're talking about a man in his in his 50s with the blood clots as well you know mm-hmm. he, it's, you know it, it's it's a lot you could tell that he is cognizant of the fact that nobody is going to feel sorry for him right uh and so that's you know but uh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could still make good money doing one of those three jobs. That's probably what I would do. Well, but-
0: you and I have talked about this. The logical thing would be that the game day were to become less or go away. And, and by less, I mean, maybe he goes to the site immediately where he's going to call the other game and they just bring him in remotely and have him participate. And that way he's already there at the other site. Uh, because more times than not, he, you're right. He's not at the site where he's going to call right. the game. Yeah. He's got to scramble, get on another plane, I mean, and take off in the same man. day.
1: There's go- no, there's no Thursday night game this week. But he's doing. He's in Ohio and then flying out to LA for USC. I don't know. I mean, I remember when, uh, like, Michelle Tafoya did two Christmas games once. She did Monday Night Football in Miami, and then she did the NBA in Miami, or vice versa. The NBA game was first. And it was like, wow, Michelle DePoe doing two games in one mm-hmm. day. Man, it's Christmas. And I mean, that's the same city, right? I remember Lisa right. Saltz did one on Christmas. She did a game in Philly and then a game in New York, or vice versa, something like that. And again, you know, that's that's still pretty tough to do on Christmas, right? But I mean, it's, this is not Ohio to USC. They're, they're, I mean, it, to me, I feel like there are people much younger than Kirk who would be getting run ragged doing this. Sure. Um, If he can, but it's none of my business as long as he feels like he can do it, he can do it, but uh, it's, it's a lot. Uh, He did say, uh, and I'm reading directly from, from the transcript. uh, It's been much more than, than I anticipated and I've got four more years of it. So there's no backing out now. Now, (laughs) if you read it, if you read it just in the text, it definitely makes it seem like, you know, it didn't come off that way when he was speaking. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, uh, well, you can well, tell... Well, the first
0: part it's off. it is no kidding. No kidding. It's much more than you would have anticipated until you start doing it. Right. I, I don't know that he lasts the full four years of the contract doing both. And again, mm-hmm. doing games over doing the pregame show. Yeah. Maybe that, and, you know... Hey, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, you know, people were mocking him over the weekend because there's this clip of him getting his... Uh, foot massaged during game day, and it's it's not a great look, but we have no idea. We have no idea, right? Uh, you know what? Maybe that was a health related thing as related
0: to, to it, the blood clots it, and you know, exactly. circulation, right? But I would great think. point great you know, point.
1: So, but I mean, you can tell that the social media stuff. You can't be a public figure and deal with the relentless hatred of people on social media and it not work its way into your thinking. Right. So you're like, you know, you don't want to complain, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's uh, a lot more than I think. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, again, it's not, it's none of my business, right. If he can do it, but I, I know I couldn't.
0: We'll see how long it lasts. You also wanted to say something about Lee Corso, who's obviously 87, correct, and has been on and off the game day show. And he and Herb Street uh, were paired up. You know, Originally, it was Craig James with Lee Corso really? in the early 1990s. And Herb Street came in right after that. But they've been together 30 years, practically. Practically yeah. 30 years on that show. Clearly, I will say this. This is not you saying this on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Clearly, we're at the end uh in stage here on whatever's going to happen with lee corso whether it's this season next season at the outset just making guest appearances uh his health is not letting him travel and you can't foresee that that's going to be better where he can do it every week so anyway that's me saying that give me a couple of more thoughts here because mcafee has come up on this podcast and elsewhere as the obvious guy that they want to slide in there and have in there and, and more so
1: well, you know, Corso, uh, I mean, give him all the credit in the world for coming out there. There are people saying, well, you know, it's like three three degrees. Why are you having this man come out when he's sick? Again, you know, it's one of those deals where I guess it's really not appropriate for people to be concerned about other people's health when they don't even know them, right? That's one of the reasons I keep saying with Herb Street, it's none of my business. And with Corso, it's none of my business either. I mean, if he feels like he can go out in three degree weather and do it, then and his loved ones agree and his doctors agree. It's none of my business. It's, you know, I was glad to see him out there. Uh, I was glad that Oregon one wasn't his final one, you know, uh, and hopefully he can keep going. But, you know, look, 87 isn't the same for everybody. Right. And Hubie Brown, clearly great health. He's got everything going. You know, Dick Vitale, even after all all the cancer that he's mm-hmm. been dealing with, similar, vigorous. And Lee, he's, he's battling, you know, you got to give him credit. He's been battling since he had a stroke. You Correct. know, a stroke is no joke, right? Uh, you know, it was so uh, tactless about the election, Dr. Oz mocking, you know, uh, Fetterman. I mean, certainly if you want to make an argument that Fetterman, you know, was not in, in, in the best shape to be in the Senate, you could buy that argument, but you know, the mockery, right? We saw that with uh, Dick Clark as well. Dick mm-hmm. Clark has a stroke. And uh, Dick Clark is another one of those names that uh, if you are 18 years old, you don't know who that is. Exactly. You know, Dick Clark, he has a stroke and he bites his way back. And it, if you remember, Dick Clark was forever young right up until that stroke and then immediately was uncomfortably infirm for a lot of people. Right. He, you know, I mean, you know, look. Uh, the part of it, is-
0: can I add, part of it is. You get to decide when it's your time. Exactly. It's also a difficult situation where this is a reason to still live and keep going. Yeah. And it was for Dick Clark. It is, I'm sure, in part. I know Lee Corso just a little bit and know the people around him. He he has such love for his ESPN colleagues and for getting to do this. And it helped him fight back from the stroke a yeah. decade ago. The love for college football, college game day and his ESPN colleagues. So I don't think it's, it's not overstating it or being over dramatic to say it is a reason to live. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I, I do. but clearly we're at the end with whatever yeah. they decide, whether it's this year or next year just because of the of the health situation. That's me saying that on that yeah, I, don't I, mean, have any I,
1: I I didn't expect him to come back after the Oregon one where he, after he missed three straight shows. I honestly thought that he wasn't going to come back because there's so little time left in the season. So he's 87 is doing dealing with all these health issues. You don't think those are going to clear up in time for him to do one of the last two or three shows, but he came back. Seems like he's going to be there this week. Here's hoping he can finish out the season. And you know what? If he can come back next year, if he's healthy, why not? And what harm does it do to anybody? What does it make people depressed? So be it. Well, deal with it. Because if you're lucky, you'll be 87 years old and on TV.
0: And people try to run you off of TV. Exactly. exactly. Like I'd much that. rather
1: be I'd much rather be, I think most of us would much rather be Lee Corso than to be, you know, not alive at 87. Right. Like that's the thing. People are always depressed about because people- I'm
0: considerably older than you. Yeah. I can promise you, I'm not going to be doing the podcast with you when you're 87. You're going to have to find somebody else. I'm just breaking that to you. I'm just breaking it to you 50 plus years in advance for you because you're younger than me. You got to find somebody else. Do the math. To
1: remember how old I am. Uh, run the
0: numbers. Just do the math. Are you going to come up with the year and make me feel even older that you're going well, to be 87?
1: Yeah, why not? Let's see. Let's see. That's
0: uh, going to put you at about, I would say, 2076. 20...
1: Oh, 100 man. year anniversary of the great film Car Wash that I just bought on Blu ray. <laughs> no, no.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Did you say 2076 and yeah. you're not saying bicentennial or whatever it would then be in Centennial? 76? I
1: don't know. What is that
0: considered? If we're three hundred years old at that point,
1: well, the tricentennial, right?
0: The tricentennial, okay. And hopefully, Carter that and uh, car wash get to be to be honored. See to it, please, when you're eighty-seven and it's twenty seventy-six, and you're still kicking, that they both get honored, the nation and car wash the same way. Can you take care of that, please? I'm gonna be
1: I'm gonna be so depressed in 2076. It's gonna be crazy because I'm not gonna be on game day. Like you know, you get because that's the thing. You get to be 87 years old unless you've got a really great relationship and like wife and kids and things like that. You're just sitting there with nobody you grew up with. I mean, you think you think about how lucky John McCain was. Like John McCain when he died at 81. I mean, his mom was still around. Right. I mean, I mean, like that. That's that's unusual. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. Uh, when you get to that age, it can be such a terribly lonely time, you know. So for Well, look that, at Dick like-
0: Vitale. Same kind of thing. I mean, uh, he is beloved by, by a bunch. Forget about social media. And, and it fuels him to keep doing yeah, what he's doing yeah. to do the game and to raise money for cancer and pediatric cancer. And he's not... He's not a spring chicken either. He's 82 yeah. years old. So good for Dickie V that he's back as well. Yeah, good for all these
1: stuff. uh you know, good for all these folks. And uh, you know, uh well Harrison Ford just said uh, this the other day, right? That he's happy to be 80 and he is it's that Incredible. Right?
0: Yeah, ha- Han Solo is 80 years old. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Wonder Woman's like 77 or 78. Linda is Carter. Is she really?
1: It's
0: uh, incredible. Good. Where does the time go? Where does the time go? Okay. Uh, let's do this. Let's do it. Love it or leave it. Remaining moments here on many different subjects. One, you wanted to say something about Disney. Love it or leave it. I guess they didn't love the the former CEO, and now Bob Iger is back just a couple of years after stepping away. He is back running Disney. And how does this relate in particular for those four letters ESPN and what they might be up to? John, your, your thoughts on loving it or leaving it with Iger being back?
1: Well, John Arand is, uh, and, you know, other people would would, would say this, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Iger is part of that old guard, you know, that uh, is committed to ESPN as a, an important aspect of Disney, committed to the NBA partnership. So, you know, look, the reality is Disney, when Iger was gone, got into that and in, in just so badly mismanaged controversy over the Florida bill. Uh, it was just they blew it in every possible way and ended up alienating everybody, uh, and that alone justified the the decision that was made. I mean, that alone. This is Disney. Disney can't afford to be in 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 that kind of a circumstance. So, uh, look, um, it's good for ESPN. It's good for the NBA. You got Zazlav talking about how we don't need the NBA, and well, Bob Iger's not going to say that. Uh, so uh, certainly when you've got Turner now dealing with a leader that is not the NBA's kind of guy, I don't think at least at Disney, you've got the NBA's kind of guy. So I think that in me personally, and everybody who listens to this knows, I would love for ESPN to not hear the NBA anymore. That would be like the greatest thing ever. It'd be a gift from the heavens. Okay. If ESPN lost the rights, no offense to the people who work there, but. I mean, I think everybody knows how I feel about the way ESPN has presented the NBA for 20 years. But Iger, to me, that cements uh, long haul, the long haul for ESPN and the NBA, because uh, especially with Turner, you know, in the circumstances they're in, uh, I think it's even more important now that the NBA will will stay with ESPN.
0: Interesting that in in part of their reporting of earnings and audience, et cetera, first of all, they're losing a ton of money. Uh, that Disney overall lost over a billion dollars, I believe I saw for the 2021 fiscal year. They're trying to figure out how to how to recover with their theme parks, etc. They did say, and I believe I have this correct, on the combined streaming services of ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, and Hulu, their consumer growth was literally like 20 million more subscribers at least like in this half of the year or this calendar year so that part of it is growing and i wonder how much more just continues to get pushed to espn plus for the sports part of it for televising all the games. I mean, you go on ESPN Plus right now with the college basketball season underway. It's everything. And I, I mean, John, uh, there's 70 games. There's yeah. 90 games because they're showing not only men's college basketball, women's college basketball, volleyball, soccer. It is, it is a blur of yeah. what is there every night that they're televising. Well. Forget about uh, network TV or outlets like ESPN two, ESPN U, etc. The ESPN Plus part is just an avalanche of games right now.
1: Well, everything in college is direct to subscriber now, right? BTN Plus, Flow Sports, ESPN Plus, obviously, because there's so much. It's just so much content, right? You know, college volleyball. What is it? Uh, you know, 930. So get ready for CSU Northridge versus UC Santa Barbara. On Plus. <laughs> and that, that, that would never get broadcast. Before. Of course not. And look, the reality is now it, the college gymnastics season is going to start up in a, in a couple of months. Any meat that's not available to watch anywhere in America, so like nationally, any meat that's not available to watch is rare. I mean, if you are a fan of college gymnastics, you should expect to be able to see Bowling Greens meet against Ball State, Mm. because whether it's on ESPN or YouTube, it's going to be somewhere. And in that environment, look, the reality is something like ESPN Plus is just from you can't put those matches. If ESPN Plus didn't exist, can you imagine where would they put those? Where, 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 Where would you even be able to find them? So. Uh, ESPN Plus uh, obviously has been. At first, I think for there was a the thought that it was just you know some way to try to recoup all the lost subscribers from linear, but it's essential now. You can't, you can't, you can't not have a clearinghouse for every single event that would ne- that would never otherwise get televised. I mean, you, you've got to have that. So um, that has turned into, especially at the NCAA level, a must-have. Now, I don't personally have it because, I mean, I don't watch a lot of college sports. That's not mm-hmm. ones. But if you are a volleyball, basketball, gymnastics, water polo, if you want to watch Harvard versus <laughs> L.I.U. Brooklyn water polo.
0: Are you just making up teams or does no. L.I.U. Brooklyn really have a water polo team?
1: Uh, they actually do. OK, well, they, they got everything. They just started a gymnastics team a couple right. of years ago, too. They, they got everything. I didn't know if
0: you were just riffing about harvard liu no. brooklyn but it turns out no. the sharks
1: it. the sharks i i i have a family who went to liu brooklyn
0: i understand sure. that i just didn't know if you were riffing about water polo and just you know no, having no. fun
1: I'm actually speaking from experience. I could tell you all about. I
0: understand.
1: All, 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 no, not LIU Brooklyn. I could tell you just about the water polo generally, right? They, <laughs> they air all the, they air all the the uh, Ivy League. I said I don't watch a lot of college sports, but that's really not true at all. I watch, I watch a lot of this stuff actually.
0: Fair to say though that Ohio State, Michigan will have a few more than LIU Brooklyn and um, Harvard or anybody else in water polo. That is safe to yeah, assume, and a lot of other sports. On that, let's continue. Love it or leave it. Uh, A couple of more interesting things. Rivalries. Love it or leave it. Give me a love it. Give me a college rivalry. Can be for any reason because, like, I'm going to work the Auburn-Alabama game second time I'm plugging it. In that state, I have often joked there are no professional teams. They care about that game 365 days out of the year i'm not exaggerating the auburn alabama football game they care about that 52 weeks out of the year pointing to it and playing it in that state so that is a tremendous rivalry to be part of give me a love it give me a love it on another rivalry i won't take i won't taint you with naming any of them give me one that comes to mind quickly
1: now the only rivalry game i've ever been to personally uh, was florida florida state And they're playing uh, this uh, Friday. This is that's obviously not the best rivalry. It's not even close
0: still. Hey, I'm in the sunshine state. And for the longest time, right around the time, Lord, I'm going to date myself again, that you were joining the planet. That was one of the top rivalries in the eighties and the nineties, because it always had national title implications. A lot of times, both of them were either undefeated or only one had one loss massive. It's not the same anymore, but in the state of Florida, that I mean, that is still a, a phenomenal rivalry, and for the longest time, 80s,
1: 90s, and in the early 2000s, it meant everything
0: for the national title yeah. picture, all of it. So that's an
1: interesting one. Yeah, The irony is, of course, these holiday weekend rivalry games, the students are not on campus. So, uh, you know, you actually had, uh, like, for example, like I said, the only one I've been to is Florida, Florida State, and the student body is not actually right. there like, I mean, honestly, that game's happening during the break, right? Because nobody is coming back from Thanksgiving break on Saturday, right? So it's it was one of the um, deader games of the season, if I recall. Mm. But, uh, you know, look, uh, th- that's all for alumni, too, really, the rivalries. And, oh, no doubt. You know, so uh, Ohio
0: State and Michigan. Yeah. You got to love that for this week. Will it be revenge for the Buckeyes after Michigan yeah. finally beat them a year ago? Uh we will find out Duke Carolina basketball belongs there in terms of, of uh in terms of rivalry. And I've had the privilege of being at Cameron for one of those.
1: You know, I uh, uh I remember something uh, else. I did a Duke game once and I opened a door and Mike Sheshewski was walking right by. I nearly bumped into him. It's the closest <laughs> I've ever been to to uh Mike Sheshewsky. It's like inches away. Inches away.
0: All right, so rivalries and uh, USC-Notre Dame will be played. Humongous oh, game yeah. for USC you know, that game, coming up. Yeah. That game
1: hasn't been relevant in a long time. Number 15, Notre Dame. Number 6, USC. It's the most important game they've played against each other in quite a while. Uh, I don't even know the last time they played. I don't think they played the last two years. Did they play last year? I guess I believe,
0: they, they, I believe they did play last year. But and, they haven't played and, at and, USC. Uh, and I want to I wanna say that with all the problems with Clay Helton being fired, during the
1: season, Notre Dame routed them.
0: I'm just saying that off the top of my head. I believe that was the case in South Bend, this one that at the Coliseum. Used be, that used yeah. to be
1: bigger than Ohio State-Michigan on, on, on this weekend of the year, um, or at least— Right, right. because
0: the of the national—what's uh, yeah. uh, the—the uh, interest in Notre yeah. Dame, not only in the Midwest, but in the Northeast, was so massive, and USC was their rival with all the Heisman Trophy winners, yeah. uh, etc., And now you've piqued my curiosity on them playing uh, because in the COVID crazy season, they did not play. I do know that uh, of 2020, but a year ago, I'm looking and Notre Dame uh, beat them, I think, 31-16. I would have thought it was worse than that for the game last year in South Bend. Uh, after they had fired Clay Hilton. Now Lincoln Riley there. Will Caleb Williams get into the forefront of the Heisman Trophy? Will Notre Dame upset USC? We'll find out in that rivalry game that is coming on Saturday. We're almost done. One more. Love it or leave it. Okay, love it or leave it. We may have covered this last year at this time. Side dish. Side dish around the bird or the ham. Love it, a side dish, and leave it a side dish for each of us. Go. Go.
1: Uh, Well, uh, no cranberry sauce. I don't need that.
0: Leave it. Uh, Okay.
1: And I guess as a side dish, we we tend to have like macaroni pie in my family. Uh, All right. So, you know, macaroni and cheese, it's kind of
0: like a mac and cheese. All right. Love it for me is the stuffing. Uh, Love it. One A is something that I began making about 20 years ago. Broccoli casserole. Very idiot proof to make with, with frozen broccoli, Velveeta cheese, crushed up Ritz crackers and melted butter. So those are the one in one a leave. It is like yams. Any of that? No, thank you on, on yams. I'm not, be, I'm not big on the marshmallows and the sweet potatoes, sweet right. potatoes. Okay. But not the marshmallows with them. I don't know about you. Leave it on that for me.
1: I've never even had that.
0: You've never, never had sweet potatoes.
1: I mean, I've had sweet potatoes. I've not sweet potatoes
0: had... with marshmallow. No, never.
1: Had. I haven't right? had marshmallows in a long time. Okay. I'm just sharing we that used with to, you. Uh, you know, in, 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 in days of uh, poverty, we would do, uh, roasted marshmallows over the stove i understand you ever, you ever had that
0: yes or we, we were experimenting as a kid yes or s'mores doing it over the fire melt them do whatever just not big fan of marshmallows in the uh in the sweet potatoes. dessert love it is which i have a pecan pie uh-huh. for me i'll taint you which one for you love it uh
1: one of the edwards frozen pie slices where they, they have two in a box so you don't overdo it oh one, yeah there you go
0: but what flavor have have. Uh, you know,
1: we've had um, key lime pie sometimes, pumpkin pie would be nice, but I'm going to try and see if I can get the uh, the cheesecake one that they have. Ooh, all
0: right, so you're doing it in moderation proportionally. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a half of a pecan pie on your behalf, uh, <laughs> I think, myself, not in one sitting, not in one day, all but right. eventually over a couple of days. I'll do that in your honor uh with that i think that we are good we wish everybody a happy thanksgiving i know that you do as well travel safe people there are going to be millions on the roads in the airports everybody be safe for uh for this weekend any final thoughts here john besides the thanksgiving
1: wishes i did want to make a note of uh, it was a sad story over the weekend Uh, uh jason david frank who played the green and white ranger on mighty morgan power rangers mm-hmm. passed away you you actually know who this is because seems- i
0: saw something about him i never watched the power rangers continue on though with your tribute
1: so i did just want to uh make a note because you know if you want to talk about like binge watching tv the earliest instance of that for me was going to the new york public library and getting the vhs of the green rangers saga and watching that for an entire uh, an entire afternoon, and so you know, I was thinking about it. I actually had Power Rangers on the mind before I heard about this, because you know all the uh, all the Twitter stuff people are talking about this mastodon if you remember mighty Morphin power rangers that was one of the things they would scream out while they were morphing right mastodon i'm
0: taking your word for it i never watched it keep preaching go you know
1: amy joe johnson would scream out pterodactyl and then there was saber tooth tiger and all this stuff anyway so i already had power rangers on the brain when when uh, when when uh, this news broke and it's just it was one of those things that made me think how weird it must have been to be just like a martial artist or a struggling actor you get this ridiculous campy role. You can't imagine it's going to do Jack. And all of a sudden, it doesn't just take off. You become, very briefly anyway, a movie star. Mm-hmm. And you are sustained for the rest of your adult life in this role to where he was doing some of the, first of all, Power Rangers is still on the air right right i I dipped after lost to galaxy many many years ago back in 99 that was my last one you're going
0: deep in the weeds now keep going get us get us there uh...
1: You know, it's just interesting to think how, you know, that how their lives must have changed. It's really unfortunate that it it ended the way that it did for him. But, you know, uh, it's just something that brought back some memories for me. Uh, The first instance of of binge watching TV in my life, I can tell you. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're four or five years old or whatever, you don't realize that it's not actually good TV. So to me. Power Rangers was intense. I'll tell you, one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen in TV is when uh, Divatox and the bad guys successfully destroyed the command center at the end of Power Rangers Turbo, thus forcing the Rangers to blast off into space. (laughs) Right? and uh, beginning Power Rangers in Space, which in my view is the best one that they ever did. But Kind of like
0: what South Carolina did to Tennessee's hopes of the college football playoff last Saturday. Very yes. similar. They blew up the command center and everything associated with it on their playoff hopes.
1: Yeah, Tennessee, I think if, wow. They, like, were they Were they, they were
0: in the hunt to maybe be an at-large, one-loss team that could get in oh, the playoff. Yeah, of course. I but I mean, was asking,
1: were, were they in fact frauds?
0: Well, that's a good I question mean, now after what South happened to South Carolina is, put been, it on
1: him. I haven't heard anything, but I, I, I'm shocked that Spurrier isn't still coaching as far as how <laughs> much I've heard about New anyway. later.
0: All right. Lots of football to get to this weekend. Everybody enjoy the food, the family, the fun, the football, all of it on Thanksgiving. John, great stuff. We'll come back next week uh, and look forward to what's going to happen on uh, next week's edition of the program. Recap everything from Thanksgiving weekend, including more on the World Cup. And everything around it. John, uh, have a great and safe Thanksgiving. Thank you, sir. Same to you. And we thank you for finding us, for listening. Subscribe or follow on this feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast.